Downtown Productions in cooperation with Zone Radio presents Downtown, the podcast. From the historic Zone Radio studios, here's your host, Rich Kimball. Yes, indeed, it is Downtown, the podcast, episode number 178. Brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Rich Kimball here, along with Carrie Haskell. And a couple of terrific conversations coming up for you this week from the world of acting. A little bit later on, Linda Day George, Emmy and Golden Globe nominee for her work on Mission Impossible. But one of those people who showed up everywhere in the 70s and 80s. TV shows and films, worked with John Wayne, her late husband, Christopher George, and much more. We'll talk with her about all of that, but we get things underway by taking you back to the 1960s and one of the most iconic shows of that decade, Lost in Space. Bill Moomy and Angela Cartwright played the Robinson kids, Will and Penny. They have not only remained friends for more than 50 years, but they do a lot together, including writing a new book about their adventures, lots of great pictures and stories about the making of Lost in Space. The book is called Lost and Found in Space 2, Blast off into the expanded edition. Here's our conversation with Bill Moomy and Angela Cartwright. Angela, Bill, welcome back. Thank you. Hello. Hi, Rich. How you doing? I'm well. It's so good to have you guys uh, back with us and, and to be uh, together. And first of all, happy anniversary, because I saw, I think, uh, on social media that you posted, Bill, that Lost in Space premiered 56 years ago last night. It blows my mind. I mean, you know, I, it's, it's amazing. Time is a bizarre river. But indeed, it debuted 56 years ago. And, uh, you know, it was worth writing about because Boston Space just makes people happy. So we figured it was our duty to the world. Well, we appreciate you doing that. But I, I want to go back in time, if we can go back 50, maybe 56 and a half, 57 years, uh, whenever you got the opportunity to be on the show. Both of you had uh, pretty impressive resumes coming into your work on the series. Uh, Angela, I'll start with you. What did you think when you heard the concept behind Lost in Space? Well, I loved the idea. I mean, nobody had walked on the moon at that point, And to actually have a family in space kind of captured my imagination. And to be able to do it um, in a show rather than in person was even more becoming to me because I don't think I'm brave enough to go up there. <laughs> um, but the idea always fascinated me, and I loved space. And so I had a blast on the show. Bill, did you have a sense that it was going to be a hit when you first heard about it? You know, in those days, uh, I was just going from one project to another, mm. and I don't think longevity was on my mind at 10 years old. <laughs> but but Will Robinson was really a little comic book-type superhero character, which is all I ever really wanted to do as a kid was, like, you know, be a superhero. <laughs> so Will Robinson kind of fulfilled that desire. I mean, he had a... He had a robot, and he had a laser gun, and he actually used it, and he saved the day quite a lot. So uh, I loved that guy. I loved playing that guy. So the book is an expanded version of one you did earlier, and I understand you got access to a lot of wonderful photos, many of which have never been seen before by people. And uh, not only have you added those, but you've also added some wonderful stories about the making of the series. 
Absolutely. Um, the book uh, came across uh, the archives. Uh, Kevin Burns gave us access to uh, all new pictures uh, in Irwin Allen's archives that were at CBS. And it just warranted having an expanded version because there were many images that nobody had seen before. And then out of that came so many stories. Uh, you know, it was during the pandemic. Bill and I just kind of exchanged ideas and thoughts and stories. And it was like revisiting, you know, junior high or your grammar <laughs> school. And all of a sudden you're like going, oh, yeah, I remember that. So the stories are are very much expanded. And the pictures are, there's over 925 pictures. And there's so many additional pages uh, to this to this version of the book, uh, there's 352 new pages, so it's uh, it's up now. Yeah, you know, uh, it was about time to start, you know, giving up the real stories. We held on to them for <laughs> for a long time, but uh, I said, "Come on, let's let's tell the let's tell the secret stuff." So this book really kind of pulls back the curtain. One of the great things about the series, and when you go back and, and rewatch it, is what a really talented cast it was. Uh, everybody on the show was so good, and, and all of them got their moments to shine in the series. And a couple of my favorite episodes in Lost in Space are the ones where each of you got a chance to, to show your stuff. Uh, Angela, uh, my friend Mr. Nobody, I even as a kid, was one of my favorites. Oh, that's my favorite, too. I love the way it was shot. The idea of, of talking to, you know, this force, um, I don't know, there was something very special about that episode, I thought. And it really kind of, uh, that first season really grabbed the essence of the show as it was originally kind of proposed to the world. Um, and then it kind of changed a little bit. What had happened was Irwin Allen's origin, the creator and producer of the series, his original version was a pretty dark, you know, mm. uh, science fiction story with this pioneer family against the alien environments that they might encounter. And uh, beautifully shot in, in black and white with a very dramatic uh, score from John Williams, who was just, you know, beginning his career. And uh, CBS, the network that originally aired our series, aired it uh, at the uh, family hour time slot. And they started to get... Uh, a lot of, uh, I was going to say emails, <laughs> a lot of letters <laughs> saying it was too scary for the little kids. So about midway through the very first season of Lost in Space, um, the tone of the show was kind of uh, commanded to be changed to a more lighter comedic sense uh, by the network. But what's interesting is it, it, since uh, the original book had been published, you know, the new Netflix series has been on the air, which is very much... Uh, in sync with the original uh, feeling and, and uh, first season, or at least half of the first season, that uh, we had originally done. And Angela and I have both been a part of the new Netflix season. So there's a lot of uh, the, the Netflix Lost in Space, excuse me, and there's a lot of stuff in the book regarding uh, returning to Lost in Space after 50 years. Well, like every young boy who was uh, of age to watch the show uh, back in those days, I, of course, identified with Will. And so one of my favorite episodes was always Return from Outer Space because I thought, yes, that's exactly how it would, nobody would believe me. 
Yeah, that was that's that's one of my favorite episodes because you know he really did make it back to Earth. It really was within his own time, uh, you know, and 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 yet they still wouldn't uh, let, let him make a phone call. It was pretty ridiculous. But I'm sure you were wearing some velour back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had it now. Velour, you can blame that on Lost in Space. So does Bill? He loves a good velour shirt. That's <laughs> true. And can I say, it is just an absolutely wonderful thing, because she's a national treasure, that June Lockhart is still with us. I know. June is, the- June is amazing. And, and the June we know is, uh, is not like the June that the public perceives. Uh, the June we know is a real rock and roll gal. And, uh, yeah, she's uh, 95 and hanging tough. That is awesome. So can you share uh, maybe uh, one or two stories from the book, some some inside stuff that will encourage everybody who's on the fence, I don't know why they would be, to get their hands on the brand new Lost and Found in Space 2? Ange? Oh, there's just so many stories. I'm just thinking. Um, well, let's see. We talk a lot about our life together, Bill and me, growing up uh, as two young kids running around the studio and going and visiting other sets and exploring just as kids do. I mean, when I think we used to go under the stages where was the huge fans and air conditioning, which was, you know, in those days, 56 years ago, what it was, this huge, you know, fans. And I think that we used to explore down there like we were visiting some alien nation. Um, <laughs> it's dark. It was creepy. I was scared to death. Um, you know, but Bill, being the superhero, led the way. You got me we a get lot into of the, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we get into the romance stuff, too. And oh, oh. <laughs> there's a lot about the pranks that, that, that were pulled on the, on the cast and some, some uh, yeah, you know, some... Moments that were not so flattering that got shared, and some moments uh, about, uh... hello? Oh. Somebody's getting a call. Seriously, I think aliens are actually listening in. (laughs) Probably. Yeah, Alpha Control's on the line trying to send us back to (laughs) pre-planet. It is wonderful, though, and I think for fans, uh, one of the things that makes us happy is that, that you two have remain very, very close friends, uh, and no matter where your lives have taken you, you've stayed together, and, and, and I think people just love seeing that, but especially when they realize that it's genuine. Absolutely. I mean, the story focuses on the years that we, we were filming Lost in Space, but then we stayed in school together, and then we dated each other, and then we've collaborated on a lot of projects after that. So, in essence, it's also a 50-year uh, story of our relationship. And now we share, well, we don't share grandchildren. We don't share them. We didn't make them together, dear. (laughs) (laughs) There are the experiences of being grandparents. So it's been a long, long time, you know, that uh, I've known Bill. And uh, a lot of that is touched on in the book. It does go beyond lots of space through conventions and the Netflix uh, show, which Bill mentioned. So it's kind of an all-encompassing book and there's just so much more in it um and i think fans are going to love it now how can people get their hands on a signed version of the book because i'm sure they would love to have that yep that can happen yes it can (laughs) um the signed versions are available at angela cartwright's 
studio.com and there's you'll see the purple book right there on the first page just click on that for all other orders um, that are not signed uh, go to uh, ncpbooks.com and that will instruct you on where to go to buy the book unsigned ncp that's next chapter publishing our publishers lovely lovely oh dear oh dear (laughs) <laughs> but the signed versions where, uh, you know, have bills been coming over and, and signing them, and we're trying our best to get them out. There's been quite a, a response to this new book. So doing our best to get it out as soon as possible. Well, it's wonderful news. We can't uh, wait to get our hands on a copy here and to check it out. And, and I know you've both got uh, more wonderful projects of your own coming up as well. We hear uh, more Barnes & Barnes music possibly coming. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that up, Rich. Uh, There's a brand-new Barnes & Barnes studio album being released on Demented Punk Records on November the 5th, and it is very Twilight Zone-esque. It's a pretty creepy project. I think you'll dig it. We'll look forward to that. Creepy beauty. (laughs) And, and Angela, we talked with you about this uh, when you were on before, the the artwork, the amazing work that you do, and people can get a look at it uh, on your website and on the Facebook page. It's just some beautiful things that you craft. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. It is my sanity, and uh, making art is something I love to do. So I uh, I like to share it, and it's available on my website, too. So, um, you know, it's just fun to tool around and go to both of our websites for old pictures and uh, careers and stuff like that, BillMoomy.com and Angela-Cartwright.com. So 56 years later, what is it about this series that still draws people back and, and makes them love those characters and are eager to hear the stories about what went on? Well, you know, outer space and exploring unknown worlds and coming into contact with never-seen beings before uh, is a great canvas for your uh your imagination to run wild in and paint as you wish. And um, I don't think that'll ever go out of style because obviously the universe is vast. And uh, you know, I think people, you know, you can't imagine what is it like? And I think it was a family going up in space. I mean, we hadn't even walked on the moon. It was such a new thing that I think people kind of really loved the idea how would that be of course now people are going into space um and there's new and i'm, I'm sure they're running into giant talking carrots all <laughs> over the place <laughs> how did the robinsons get into space you weren't even billionaires <laughs> that's right that's right uh, yeah. well mission control had that i guess <laughs> figured out the book right. is called Lost and Found in Space 2. Wonderful memories of the show and story of a wonderful friendship as well. Angela Cartwright, Bill Moomy, it's a delight to have you both back with us. I look forward to seeing the book and hope you'll come back and join us again down the road with future projects. Sure will. Thank you, Rich. Bye. Bill Moomy, Angela Cartwright, back with us on Downtown, the podcast, the new book, Lost and Found in Space 2, blast off into the expanded edition. When we come back, I could just hum the theme and you know what I'm talking about. Dum, 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 dum. And then Carrie in the background would be like, da-da-da, da-da-da. <laughs> Mission Impossible premiered in the late 1960s, but 50 years ago, our next guest joined the cast. We'll talk with Linda Day George 
about that and more after this word from Cross Insurance. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross insurance where security meets strength that's actually carrie and i doing a good job i bet you didn't know carrie played the flute years of practice <laughs> Oh, yes, we talk uh, Mission Impossible and much more remarkable career in the business. Our next guest, Linda Day George, talked about all of it with us here on Downtown. Well, hello, Linda. This is Rich. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Well, uh, so much to talk about in, in your career, but uh, I, I thought we'd start at the beginning. That seems like a, a pretty good place. You, you began as a model, and I understand you had, uh, well, you had a pretty good mentor when it came to that. Uh, your mom actually taught at the modeling school my mom was was like a, a railroad going through town <laughs> if she wanted you to get something done you were darn well gonna get it done <laughs> and now you were uh, you were born in texas eventually made your way to arizona and, and as you made that shift from modeling to acting, can you talk about the influence that, that Richard Charlton and the Sombrero Playhouse had on your career? Oh, my goodness. Richard Charlton, was he was just a sweet, loving person, just a, a real charming guy. And he had this theater, and I, I think it was, I met him at the... Um, what was it? I think it was, I can't remember what the play was right now. But <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it anyway. I was too young. <laughs> so, so um, but I met him there, and we just had a great relationship. He was just superb. He and my mom and dad uh, got together, and they talked and did all kinds of wonderful stuff to uh, keep me active in acting. So that when I went to New York, I ended up at the um, Actors Institute in New York, and I just really loved it. Had so much fun and <laughs> and did a trillion different plays and then ended up in a wonderful play on Broadway. You did Broadway. Uh, you moved from stage to, to television and film. And, and we've said this about guests before, looking at their credits and, and said, wow, they were in every TV show. But I think it's actually true with you. When I when I look through all of the programs that you did, my goodness, uh, you were a, a busy woman. And, and some of my favorite series, uh, you did a couple of episodes of, I think, one of the best series of all town. Any uh, time it comes on in reruns, I have to watch. What was it like uh, working on the road in Route 66? Oh, gosh. It was great. 
had a ball. That was well, I we were up in we were up here for a little while in Washington State doing whatever we were doing here. So it, we had a great time. That was those guys were hard working people, and they they worked very nearly twenty four seven. Even though back then the weekend was sacrosanct, um, it wasn't quite as sacrosanct on the road. So we did do some work on the road (laughs) during weekends, but it was wonderful stuff. Uh, As a young guy back in the 60s, thanks to David Jansen and the Fugitive, and because my name was Richard Kimball, he was Dr. Richard Kimball, I got a new nickname. I, I became the Fugitive and, and still have that nickname to many people for all these years. But uh, how was that? I was a big fan of David Jansen. Uh, how was it working with him? I, uh, you know, there are very few people that I didn't really, really enjoy working with. And he was just one of the, just one of the sweethearts. He and Chris were friends. And when uh, when I, I worked on the show, uh, I didn't know that they knew each other, but they knew each other, and he was just all ready with questions and information, and he he just had something to say to people, and I think he really did a wonderful job of endearment of that character. Mm people all over the country. We're talking with Linda Day, George, here on Downtown. Well, you mentioned Chris, and uh, such a big part of your story is your relationship uh, with your late husband, Christopher George. Uh, Was it on the set of Gentle Rain that you two met each other? No, actually, it was in New York that we met each other. We, We were both models with Ford Modeling Agency, and as a result... Uh, he was with Ford men. I was with Ford women. And as a result of that, uh, we would occasionally run into each other at um, one shoot or another. Or <laughs> I'd be leaving and he'd be coming in or or one or the other. No. But it was really, it was really great. He was a, such a, a, a good man. He was just well, he meant the world to me, so there you are. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I read an interview where you said uh, Chris wasn't a perfect man, but he was the perfect man for you. Yes, that's absolutely perfectly <laughs> true. You uh, you would work together again, and uh, not only an opportunity to work with Chris, but also to work with John Wayne on Chisholm. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, that scared me to death. <laughs> I had never, I, I'd never, of course, met him un, until that time, and uh, it, it was it was actually kind of comical. I mean, I was standing there and talking with Mike and and Chris, and I forget somebody else was was there in on that conversation too. But but um, Mr. Wayne walked up. But he he walked up kind of behind me, and and I heard his voice, 
and I turned around, and there was this huge, tall person that I had never met before that I absolutely idolized. He was just one of my most favorite people in the whole world. I I thought of him as my country, my flag, my my freedom, my peace. It, it was hell. <laughs> turning around and seeing him there. I I broke into tears. So. <laughs> yeah, looking probably as big as he did on the big screen. Uh huh. <laughs> I. I, I and he said, "What? What? What's the matter?" <laughs> you know, start like backing away, like, "Uh oh." <laughs> uh, and I, I, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> and I, I just said, "How would you feel if the Statue of Liberty was talking to you?" <laughs> I love that's it. That's all I could do. <laughs> but. That was it. he was just a, a wonderful guy, and and he was, you know, really really popular with the the guys on the set, all the stunt guys and the the horsemen and and just everybody. And he was incredibly friendly and open, and uh, I I just. I really enjoyed working on that show, and Chris would laugh at me all the the time. He would say, are you staring at him again? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No shame in that. Uh, uh, 1971, you joined the cast uh, of an established hit, Mission Impossible, as Lisa Carey, a role that would earn you Emmy nominations, Golden Globe nominations. It was such a great cast and such a wonderful role. And one of the things I loved about that role is that, as an obviously very attractive woman, made an impression on me as a four, as a 14-year-old. I remember that. But it, but Lisa was such a cerebral character. It was, not, uh, it was not the kind of role that women often got in those days. I know. And I, I, I was so grateful because it was just like what I had been doing all along. I was playing a different kind of character. Every every show, every episode was new, exciting, and different. And I, I just, I loved it. And I really loved working with that team. They were just a, just a superb group of people. I understand you really forged a, a close relationship with Peter Graves. I did. He was a, a really wonderful mentor and friend. You know, he he was so willing to have me on the show and so uh, uh, helpful. I mean, he he would introduce me to people all the time that were, uh, you know, crew members on the set that I may not have known or I may not have worked with on a different show, but I I felt really at home and comfortable. Greg Morris was another one that Mm. was just, he was just such a sweet person. He was a, a, a really, he was, he was like the 
your your youngest brother, you know, <laughs> you, you want to take care of him and you want to make sure he's okay and and you have this great relationship. You can talk about anything and 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 you did because there were always some issue to bring up to dis- discuss and he was he was a lovely person. He really was. It's always fun for any actor to, to get to play a bad guy and a villain. How much fun did you have uh, working with Linda Carter playing the Nazi Wonder Woman? <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. That was one of my very favorite things, <laughs> where you get to play the anti-character lead. Mm. You know. Now, did you know Linda before that from back in Arizona? Oh, sure. Yeah. A- actually, w- we were both at Flair Modeling School for a period of time, and we met at uh, some of the high school functions, too. So. Uh, you did a number of episodes uh, of The Love Boat. We had a chance uh, just about a year ago to talk with uh, Gavin McLeod here on our program, and my goodness, uh, he, he was about the sweetest man we've ever had the occasion to talk to. Yes, and, and you know, uh, he, he truly... That was truly him in there, all the way through, a sweetheart of a person. Now, you work so often with Chris in your career. Um, sometimes sometimes couples want to get a little break from each other. You're home at night, then you're working together. But it seems like you navigated that very, very successfully. Thank you. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, a wonderful life together. I I miss him today, you know. I know I can't have him today, and I miss him. But I understand there's there's a, a grandchild that that might just be the spinning image of him. Absolutely, his <laughs> our 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 grandson, uh, my my son Nick has a a child named Christopher, <laughs> <laughs> who is Christopher George, and he looks exactly like Christopher. <laughs> a spitting image. <laughs> and I, every time I see him, it takes me back. I go, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I know, Grandma, I just look like Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. You were on so many game shows uh, back in the 70s and the 80s, and you, and you were very good at them. I, especially, you seemed to have a wonderful relationship with the, the very talented Burt Convey. Did you have fun on those shows? <laughs> oh, Burt Convey was a wild man. He was wonderful fun. <laughs> he was a good guy. <laughs> he, he was really a, a smart guy, too. He was one of those people. It's really... Uh, very intelligent and uh, and very funny. A really funny guy. No, nope. we did have a have a ball. Yeah. Now, what about Gene Rayburn, who was uh, well famous for for <laughs> taking that sense of humor of his off stage uh-huh. as well? Did you experience that side of him? Oh my goodness! <laughs> Every time they called a break on the show, <laughs> he was heading for. Heading for the 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 group up here on the wall, <laughs> we couldn't get down fast enough. <laughs> it was great. We we did have fun 
So, uh, and, what what prompted the move to Washington State, and, and what did that do for you? Well, actually, what prompted the move was that my uh, my late husband, Doug Cronin, who who was a very close friend of Chris's uh, when uh, when they were hanging out together a lot, and um, I I only met him at the house once, uh, but I I know Chris would constantly be saying, "Hey, I'm going out over to Doug's. You want to come with me? No, thanks. I I'm going." here or Judy and I are going to the movies or <laughs> so <laughs> I just uh, I I liked Doug very much and he was an amazingly good looking person and a, a really uh, a, a really gentle person as well and um, <clears throat> his wife and I were very good friends and we used to see each other all the time. I just didn't feel comfortable being around Doug at that time. Um, so I was fine with that. Uh, and and then uh, and then when uh, Chris passed away, Doug and Kathy were there a lot. And um, and then all of a sudden, Doug and Kathy were getting a divorce. And I, 
I finally just surrendered, said, oh, fine, okay, all right, what do you want to do? You want to <laughs> go to dinner? You want What do you want to do? Yep, let's go out to dinner. So we did, and we started seeing each other on a fairly regular basis then, and my kids loved him. <laughs> Jeez. And I'm trying to run away somehow or other. <laughs> and um, his parents invited me to come up and visit in, up here in Squim because they had a house here. And so, okay, I did. And I fell in love with this place. And here I sit, uh, <laughs> right here in this incredible spot brought to me by my second husband and I I am probably one of the most fortunate people I know. Now you've you've had a remarkable career but I, I understand that you're you're thinking about getting back into acting, is that right? I'd love to, yeah. Well you know, you grow up and you have different things to offer and I I think I've 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 certainly grown old. <laughs> old is good, and I'm loving it. And here we are. I'm seventy something, and I love being up here. And I really would love the idea of getting back into doing something wonderful and fun that I can share with other people. Well, I know uh, so many people would love to see that. You always bring uh, such honesty to your roles and, and such class to the way you live your life. And uh, we hope to see that memoir. I know uh, you, you had a setback. Uh, the, the writer you were working with passed away. I was very sorry to hear that, but I, I hope we get that Linda Day George memoir before too long. Ah, uh, so do I. That would be really wonderful. And, and I'll tell you, uh, Mr. Zurich, was one of the most wonderful young people I ever knew. He was incredibly bright and and had just the biggest heart of anyone I'd ever met. He just was a wonder. And his sister, I, I just, it breaks my heart every time I think of his passing and leaving her and her family because I know they they just, they were wonderfully happy together all of them and so I hope we can finish that and get it out and just in honor of his life I would like that very much. Well, we'd all love to read it as well. Linda, it has been a delight for us to have the opportunity to talk with you this afternoon. I've enjoyed your work for so many years. We appreciate you making <laughs> time for us today. Wish you a continued good health and happiness and hope to hope to see you on the screen sometime down the road. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> okay. You be good to you. Thank you, Linda. Appreciate it. Thanks again for being with us. I'm grateful. Thank you. Good stuff with Linda Day George. Our thanks to Linda and, of course, to Bill Moomy and Angela Cartwright for joining us this week as well on Downtown, the podcast brought to you by Cross Insurance. We'll see you next time here on Downtown.